This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. This meeting is being sponsored by the FA New England 12-Step Committee for the distinct purpose of creating tapes for the 12-Step Committee tape library. Those who wish, please join me in a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, What I can talk about with my disease is that my disease started from a young age. Um, I remember being a very young girl, and I was overweight as a young girl, and I battled weight my whole life with this disease of food addiction. Um, I remember things when I was young that food was just so, so important to me in my life. I remember, um, you know, eating large quantities of food and I just remember feeling different about myself and feeling as though I didn't quite belong and I lacked a confidence, you know, I lacked being able to get along in the world and those things I remember going on inside of me from a young age in the fear you know it was always wrapped up with fear I was afraid of people I was afraid to try new things I was just afraid afraid to make friends afraid people weren't going to like me and I felt like I had these strikes against me you know my first one was that um, that that I was different my size was different I was overweight I was a chubby little girl. I got made fun at when when I went to school. I had to have clothing made for me because um, it was too expensive to go into Lane and Bryant's, which was the only store in in Boston that sold the Chubbett clothes. And I had an aunt that could make clothes, and um, they weren't clothes that really were for, for little kids. You know, I stuck out like a sore thumb because of my size, because of the things that I had to wear to to fit my body, because I was I was chubby. And then I had to wear glasses from when I was in the second grade, and that was another thing. You know, I felt like that was another strike against me. Um, And kids made fun then of of someone who looked different, and I was made fun of because I wore glasses. So um, it was uncomfortable for me. It really was uncomfortable growing up. I um, I have a brother, and he's 12 years older than I am. And, you know, my family background is that um, my, my, um, my mother was someone who was um, a real reactor. She would um, yell and scream and fly off the handle at any little thing. And, and I felt embarrassed, you know, embarrassed around friends that I did have because I never knew how she was going to react. You know, most of the time her reaction was, was crazy. I felt like it was insane. I didn't understand that when I was little, but when I, when I grew up a little bit, I looked at her in a way that I just said, you know, this my mother's crazy. You know, there's something really wrong here. And my father was alcoholic, and he was also ill. Um, 
in addition to, to being alcoholic, he had suffered nervous breakdowns when he was in the service and, and came out of the service and and just, I guess, maybe just couldn't adjust to life. And, and he was sick with alcoholism. You know, that took off in his life. So it was it was kind of difficult growing up. Um, you know, the, the feelings that I remember were, were feelings around being uncomfortable in my home, walking on eggshells, feeling as though I caused the problem. You know, if there was an argument, if there was a problem in my home, I caused it somehow. I did something wrong. And I know that I found food at a young age to, to kind of comfort all that, to kind of make it all okay. And I just had, um, I just had this real love of food. Um, my ethnic background is that I'm Italian, and my mother did a lot of cooking. You know, she prided herself in cooking and cleaning, and those were two things that she did. I mean, the cleaning from floor to ceiling and the cooking from, from scratch, you know, all the time. And, you know, a day like today, which, you know, the, the holiday, Thanksgiving, she, she would have been cooking for a couple of weeks ahead of time and preparing. And it would probably take us about a half an hour to finish it all off, um, which is amazing. And I was sharing that with a sponsee this morning. Um, so just really incredible. And um, that's what I remember about my, about my childhood. And I, I was a good student. Um, I seemed to... Um, to really kind of excel, you know, in school. I, I liked it when people told me that that I was doing well and that I was okay. And I didn't have that inside myself. You know, that I know. I looking back over it now, I just didn't have that inside of myself. And I depended on the things around me to, to tell me that I was okay, to make it okay. And um, you know, the eating just you know just kept getting worse. Um, I didn't know that I was out of control with food. Um, I remember when I was 10, I had diet pills, and that was because my mother was getting ready for my brother's wedding, and she was at a diet doctor, and she had got diet pills, and they were working for her, and I had pills. And I never saw this doctor, never went to see him, but I had the little bottle of, of pills, the prescription, um, prescription medication. And I remember taking those pills and just feeling all jittery and, and just not knowing really what to do with myself. You know, I, I just didn't know with the energy. And then we started playing games with it. Um, you know, I followed the direction. You know, my, my mother would say, well, you know, I'm cooking this today, so, you know, if you want to be able to enjoy this, you don't have, um, you don't take one of these pills and then you, you know, you can eat. But then you'll get right back. You know, these pills will help. So I lost some weight, and it got me into normal-sized clothing, so I didn't need to go into Boston and, and have all kinds of money spent on, you know, a couple of um, extra-size outfits. And um, I was still uncomfortable because I still was not in a normal-sized body. You know, I, I wasn't developed, and the clothing that, that I could fit into were, were, were clothing for teenagers, so things didn't fit right. And I just always felt, like, generally uncomfortable, you know, uncomfortable about myself, uncomfortable about my home. You know, I felt like there was a secret there, and, and I kind of kept things at a distance. And, and my home wasn't an open home, so... Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of um, a lot of friends in my life, and I didn't have a lot of uh, people coming over. Um, it just was not an open home because my father drank on a daily basis. My mother yelled and screamed, you know, all the time, and you know, my brother was out of the house when when I was ten, and it was just you know a lot of um, a lot of insanity, you know, a lot of insanity. Um, when I got to my teenage years, um, I have to say that's that's when I really tried to make an effort myself about my weight. You know, the first time that I went to Weight Watchers 
and had a little bit of hope that I could lose weight. Um, I went with my mother. She did all the cooking, all the preparing of the food, and, and she paid, you know, paid the dues every week. So I didn't really need to think too much of myself, I, about myself, about what I was doing. I just needed to show up and sit down and, and eat what was prepared and what was given to me. And the first time that I did that, I was, um, I was somewhere between like 13 and, and 15, some, somewhere around that age bracket. And um, I was 176 and a half pounds. And that really scared me. That was the first time that I remember seeing a number on the scale and realizing, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to be 200 pounds. And it really scared me. So the Weight Watchers program worked for me a little bit. Um, I lost 50 pounds there. And I started playing games with that. And, and I just didn't know, you know, I, I, I didn't know then about food addiction. I, I didn't find that out until I came into program. But I didn't understand about that first bite and how that first bite took me, and that's exactly what happened. You know, I, I got the, the okay, the permission to cheat on a diet, and, and I did that, and I had that first bite, and it was really hard to get back. You know, I, I had a way of eating. Um, I knew what to eat. It was successful. I could lose weight. I could, I could maintain a weight loss on it, but somehow I could never really get back to it. And I didn't know that I was sugar and flour addicted. You know, I didn't know those things had addictive, um, you know, addictive qualities in, in my system. And that was, um, and that was the start of a, of a real struggle. And I kept yo-yoing. You know, I'd be down the 50 pounds. I was in a normal-sized body, but um, always struggling. And, and my self-esteem and my self-worth, that was never, never quite right. You know, I, I thought that if I could get thin and be normal-looking, then the inside would be okay too. You know, I'd be normal on the inside, and that's not how it happened for me. Um, I, I did maintain being in a, um, a fairly normal-sized body. You know, keeping that you know 50 pounds off or 40 pounds, you know, off somewhere around there, you know, for a while. So it was it was good to be able to fit into normal-sized clothing, but you know, nothing had changed about me inside. You know, I still had all that insecurity and. And what I've learned since coming into this program is that this is a disease of fear, doubt, and insecurity and, and addiction, and that's where it took me. And I was there from a young age, and it just kept progressing, you know, and escalating. So I, I kept battling my weight through teenage years, um, through my young adulthood. I, I decided to get married when I was 20, and the situation in, in my life then was that I, I still was unhappy with, um, you know, with being at home, and I just had this growing sense of needing to escape. You know, I needed to get out of here. I needed to have my own life. And my, my father had died when I was 18, and plans were already in motion that my mother and my brother were making what, what I felt like they were making for my life, that my mother was selling the home that, that, that I, you know, we grew up in, the home that we owned, and she wanted to move into an apartment. She was going to take me with her, and I was going to become my mother's caretaker. And, you know, my brother was married. He lived in Connecticut with his wife, and I think he had two children at the time, or one and one on the way. And that was nice. You know, he, he had a life, and I felt like I was just being, you know, really trapped and manipulated into this, you know, into this thing. And uh, the man that, that I started to date um, ended up becoming my husband. And we really... We really, really fit together well. You know, he had fear, doubt, and insecurity in his life, and he had certain things going on in his life, and we just kind of, we just 
just kind of made a fit, you know, made a match, made a fit, and really had the best intentions. And so I got married when I was 20, and I got what I wanted. You know, I, I got my own place to, to, to be in charge of. Um, I felt like I couldn't be manipulated or controlled anymore. Um, you know, I'd have my own life and my own freedom, and that's really, you know, what I wanted. The only thing was that it didn't quite work that way. You know, I still had food. I was still eating. I was still miserable with myself, and my weight was fluctuating, you know, up and down. So, you know, the kind of happiness I thought that was going to bring me ended up being, you know, en ended up being short-lived. And I kept, I would find myself again, like over and over. I, th this is the pattern that I remember around that time of over and over getting to a place in my life where I had what I wanted, I had what I thought I needed, but somehow it wasn't doing it and it wasn't giving it to me. And then in the background there was always, you know, I have to lose weight or I'm starting to gain weight again and what am I going to do? So that was always going on in my life. And I started to be able to function less and less um, in the world. You know, I wanted to just isolate, be taken care of, um, have my husband be the contact for the world. He would earn the living. He, he, would, he would be in touch with the world, and I would just stay home and be, be in this protected environment, and I could raise kids. You know, I could, I could raise little kids. Little kids aren't that much trouble. You know, this, this is what was going, you know, in my mind. And, um, you know, there, there were bouts of, of depression for me, isolation, um, panic, you know, from the fear that I had. Um, and, and just a lot of a lot of manipulation and a lot of control on my part, you know. And, and my marriage at that time um, more or less consisted of my my husband wanting or needing to take care of me. You know, he had a need to take care of me. I had a need to let him take care of me and do for me. And you know, we would we would give to each other back and forth that way. So you know, when I when I was married for three years. Um, I decided to um, decided that what I needed in my life was was to to have a child. You know, this this wasn't working again, and I was finding myself in that place of now what? You know, what next? What do we do? And then of course too, if I got pregnant, I really didn't have to worry about eating. You know, I didn't have to worry about food. I didn't have to worry about a diet. You know, I'd want to take care of myself and, and do the best I can um, under a doctor's care. But to me, that meant that I didn't have to. I didn't have to care about how big I was really getting. You know, you're pregnant. That's a license to eat. So that that ended up happening. I, I did get pregnant, and I had my daughter when I was 23. And um, you know, again, that that place. You know, I, I didn't realize. I had no concept what it was like to have a child. And I thought I would be the one. You know, to to feel fulfilled, and that would give me my self worth and, and make it all okay. And what ended up happening was it was more of me giving, you know, that, that unconditional love. And, and you don't know in what ways you have to give when you're a parent until you're in those shoes. So it was more of giving. And um, I'm telling you, um, I ended up in depression and self-pity and crying a lot and not understanding and knowing what was going on in my life. And I got to be about 210 pounds. Um, that was the last number that, that I was when I got on the scale, and I was really, really miserable. I was really, really in a desperate place in my life, and I didn't know what to do. You know, was the answer having more children? Somehow I knew it wasn't, and, um, you know, thank you, God. I, I have one daughter today, and I love her a lot, um, 
and I just didn't know where to turn and what to do. And, and my husband at the time didn't know what to do for me. You know, he was the one that could always pull me out, always make it better and make it okay. I just was so needy and so dependent. And I was, I was still trying the diets. I was joining an exercise program. I, um, I went to Weight Watchers. I, I don't know how many times I went back to that program, and I kept joining it and rejoining. And we didn't have money for things like that. And back, back then, it was an expensive program you know, to do, and they, and they started having their own products, and the products were expensive to get. And I really wanted that to work for me. You know, I tried desperately for that to work for me, and it just didn't. You know, it just did not because I, I was food addicted. By then, I had lost all control, and I became addicted to food. And there was nothing that I could do with food for a long period of time to make any difference in my life. Um, because of my father's background, I started thinking along the lines that, um, you know, maybe, you know, there's going to be some mental illness with me. You know, maybe I need some help that way. Because I knew mentally, um, there, there, were things, there were things about how I, how I was, how I thought, how I behaved that, that scared me and made me nervous. And I wanted help. I, I, I wanted something to be done about that. And it's really interesting, but, you know, that lack of, of self-worth and, and, and just self-esteem that I, that, that I had, I didn't at that time want to get better for myself. I wanted to get better because now I had a child to take care of. And, and I remember that so specifically, you know, thinking like that in my mind. If it was me and I had to go through life being, you know, 250 or 300 pounds and just being one of those people that was just never going to get thin, you know, was never going to have that joy of being thin in their life, then so be it, you know, and I was going to live through mental pain and anguish, then so be it. That's my lot in life. That's what I felt like. This, you know, I was being punished for, some, for whatever reason. But I had the responsibility of a child in my life, and I did not want to pass that on because I felt like that was being passed on to me. And, and maybe I could do something about it. And it's just, it's so interesting for me to realize that, that I, I didn't care about myself as much as caring about another person. Like, it just didn't matter for me. So I, I went, I, I had some counseling before I came into program, and that was really basically along the lines of, um, the counselor didn't even look at the size of my body. She didn't even know that I was over 200 pounds. It just didn't, just didn't, just didn't register in, in her mind. And she was trying to help me find myself in the family. And we were working on a family tree, and we were talking about um, my thoughts, you know, my, my husband's thoughts. And, and I was talking a lot about blaming. You know, I was blaming my brother. I was blaming my mother. I was blaming my father. There was, there was a, lot of, a lot of talk, you know, about things like that going on. And I wasn't all that honest with her because I had a lot of fear. I was afraid that if I ever told anybody exactly what was going on inside of me that, you know, I could be put away. You know, someone would call me crazy and God forbid and God knew what would happen to me. So I couldn't really be honest with her. Um, back around that time, there, there was a woman that I had met when I was in the hospital having my daughter and we were roommates and we had kept in touch with each other um, off and on. And as I started to have um, my bouts of, of depression and being isolated and, and pulling back, we would just talk on the telephone. But then from time to time, we'd get together and, and see each other. And it was always around food. We'd get together and um, 
it would be over my house, her house, um, lunch, who'd bring dessert, and, and it was eating. You know, that's really what it was about, you know, was eating. I wanted to go to her house all the time because I didn't want her coming to my house because she had other little kids, and I just didn't want these little kids running around all over my house. You know, that's, that's just how I felt about it, you know. So I would pack my stuff up and go there, you know, with, with my daughter. I was just fussy, picky, choosy, you know, self-centered, you know, you name it, that's, that's the place that I was in. And, you know, in her life, she, uh, her husband was an AA, and he gave her an ultimatum and said to her, because what was happening for him in his life was he was getting well. Things were happening for him in his program, and um, his wife was staying in a, in a pretty desperate, sick place. And he just gave her an ultimatum about their, about their marriage, that she needed to do something. And he heard about the OA program through his AA meeting. And when this friend of mine got involved and, and got into her program, she eventually started talking to me about it. And, um, you know, I, I saw changes in her. You know, first of all, I, she was a big woman, too. We both had a weight problem. And I saw her losing weight, and I also saw something different, which was that she started to feel better about herself. You know, she started to matter to her own self, and, and that's something that I really wanted. I didn't know that's what that was, but that's what it was. And I wanted that, but I also hated her for it, and, and I kind of had this love-hate relationship with her. You know, I didn't want to see her, but yet I wanted to see her, and I wanted to know what was going on in her life. I was really, really curious. And I had lost all hope in my own life. It was too painful at that point to even really try anything. I could not bring myself to go back to Weight Watchers again. I didn't have the money to do it. I had cut out an article for liquid protein and left that on the chair in the kitchen. And once I had the money put aside, I said, well, I'll send away for it. But, you know, I had to, I had to, send, I had to put the money aside for it. But in the back of my mind, I just knew, you know, I didn't have that kind of, like, that, that, that hope anymore of like, well, let me try, you know, maybe this will work. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. It was just too painful, you know, really just too painful. So um, that was probably, I'd say, in October that I first heard um, from my friend what she was doing and saw some changes happening in her life. And when January rolled around, um, I've been in program since January of 1982, and when January of, of 82 rolled around, I decided to try one last attempt at a New Year's resolution. And I went out and I got some products and I wasn't going to deprive myself and, and have all the, um, you know, those uh, awful fruits and vegetables, you know, because I, I was a junk food eater. I did a lot of binge eating and junk food eating. I wasn't eating normal healthy foods, just the flour. You know, the flour was, you know, was what I'd consider a fairly normal um, food for me. So um, I went and I got bags and boxes and half gallons of um, the pretend stuff. You know, not the real stuff, but the pretend stuff. And I decided to try like a semi um, Weight Watchers my own way. And within a week or so, it was crazy. You know, I was eating boxes of things, sleeves of things, um, but it wasn't the real sugar item. So it was a little different, and I thought that it was going to be okay. But the quantities that I was eating, it was absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. And um, my husband at the time said to me, why don't you give your friend a call and go to this thing? It's, it's free. It's not going to cost you any money. And that was like, 
geez, this thing is free. You know, I don't have to make any kind of commitment to money here. And that was a big problem for us back then. So I gave her a call, and, and I went. And um, I just, um, my, my first meeting that I was going to go to ended up um, not being there because somebody didn't have a key and we couldn't get in. And I, I don't think that it was a meeting that was, was a very strong meeting at the time or a meeting that I would have heard what I really needed to hear. So when I look back over that, I just know that God really had a plan for me, you know, and God was really directing where I needed to be, when I needed to be there, and how. It, it just it amazes me when I think about it. And the first meeting that I went to ended up being a very strong meeting um, in Chelsea, and I heard things. And I heard things that made me scared. I heard things that made me want to run out the door. But I also saw things. And the things that I saw, you know, I saw people's pitches. And that, to me, was so, that did it for me. You know, that gave me hope because I wanted to be thin. You know, in the worst way, I wanted to be thin. And if I could be in a thin-sized body, my whole life was going to get better. How, I don't know. I didn't have a clue. But that's what was in my mind. And that gave me hope. I saw people stand up and, and tell me how much they weighed and then showed me a picture of what they looked like. And then they would tell me a little bit about themselves. And, and that was it. That was the clincher for me. I didn't care how crazy things sounded to me from that point on. It's like I would have done anything, really anything. I did get a sponsor. It took me a little while to get, to get one. And when I did, that's when things really started to happen. You know, I got clear direction with food. I was told that I could not eat flour and sugar, and the reason why I couldn't eat it was because I was addicted to flour and sugar. Those things set up an uncontrollable craving in my body, in my system, and, and I would fight and I would struggle with that. And I needed to go through withdrawal and that it would be okay. You know, it was possible and it was okay. And there were people that could help me. There were meetings to go to. Um, but this is just what I needed to do. I needed to write my food down, weigh and measure it, report my food to my sponsor, commit it to her, tell her what I was going to eat, and then just stick that way. And, and that's it. And I needed to ask God for help. That was the most important thing. Um, and as far as God went, I had religion in my life. Um, I had the dogma. You know, that's what I did. You know, the religious, um, the practices. But I didn't have anything inside of myself that gave me any kind of fulfillment. So I did need to find a God of my understanding in this program. And, and I did. I did through relying on a sponsor. You know, my sponsor would say things to me like, well, you know, if you don't really believe it or agree with it, you know, do you believe that this is how I believe? And do you believe that this is what I do? And I said, yeah. She said, well, that's all you need to know. You know, just do it. You know, that's enough for you right now. That's okay. And that really was enough for me. And eventually I did get a God of my understanding in my life. And that came from putting food on a scale because I would see myself in my home with my baby asleep in the crib, with food, putting it on a scale and not putting it in my mouth, you know, or not going to the freezer to take something that I really shouldn't be taking. And that to me was amazing. I, I couldn't do that when I tried to diet before. I just couldn't. If the thought came to my mind that there was something in the freezer, there was a half gallon of something in the freezer, and I was supposed to be on a diet, it didn't matter. I might be able to push that off for a little while, but eventually, you know, I would attack it, and then it would be gone. And then I would hate myself afterwards. And that's really what it was like. It was like a food attack when, you know, when I got that thought and then that urge, and I just went for it. It was really out of control. I could not stop eating. 
so I saw things changing. I saw things happening, and, and I'm just so, so grateful. Um, eventually, 85 pounds came off my body, and now I've been maintaining that weight loss for about 16 years, and that, to me, is amazing, really, really amazing. Um, and that's why I came here. I came in here because I was in a huge size body, and I wanted help with that. And what I found out for myself is that I got help in so many other ways and so many other areas in my life. You know, this program has touched every single area of my life. All those ways that I thought that I needed help, you know, um, going for counseling, struggling with being depressed and, have, and, and being in self-pity and, and crying and being so needy, all that eventually changed, but really, really gradually, you know, over, over time, you know, over years. And, and those changes came about through being in, in AWOLs. And I got into my first AWOL when I was about three months abstinent, and there was just one, one AWOL meeting. That was it. And, you know, fortunate enough for me, um, again, you know, I think God just, just guiding the timing of everything in my life, that that one and only AWOL was going to open that spring of my first year in program. And my sponsor said to me, you know, I want you here. And I went. And I had no clue, absolutely no clue, you know, why I was there. I didn't understand. That's all I knew was every time I got on the scale, I was getting thin and I was feeling better. And I don't know what they're talking about with character defects and needing to look at myself and, and how to take responsibility, you know, for my life and, and getting better. I thought getting better was just the weight. If you came in fat and you were getting thin, that meant you were getting better. I just, I didn't understand, you know, about the uh, the mental in the um, in the spiritual, but I did have it. You know, I had the mental and the spiritual with this disease. That's for sure. So those changes started happening for me. And you know, again, my sponsor kept saying to me. Um, by then, I, I had my second sponsor in program. My first sponsor decided to leave, and um, I'm grateful for the help that she gave me. You know, the, the kind of help I got from her was was through my weight loss and starting out. You know, in my first A wall. And the sponsor that I've had now, I've, I've had for um, for almost that 16 years, about 15 and a half years, and I'm very, very grateful for her. You know, she's been there for me, you know, over the years, and and continues to have everything that I want. You know, she's someone that's gone ahead of me, and um, you know, more started happening for me, and and it's like that cloud of of denial and that. Um, you know, that, that lack of clarity, it's like all that started to lift. And as I continued to stay abstinent, things started to make sense to me. And I could relate to what people were saying and I could understand. And one of the first, one of the first awarenesses I had in program was sitting in my living room on a Sunday afternoon with the TV on. Nothing much was on TV. I didn't want to read a book. I didn't want to pick up a craft project. And all of a sudden, I was starving. Like, I just, like, oh, like I wanted to eat. And I realized that I was bored, you know, boredom. And I was amazed. And I remember running around my house saying to my husband, I'm bored, I'm bored. And, you know, he's looking at me like, yeah, you know, so what? But um, it was amazing to me. I didn't know that I ate over things. I just, I just didn't know. I didn't have that sense that I ate when I was uncomfortable that I ate when I was, you know, I was happy, or if I was comfortable, like, that was my way of life, that I just ate. The food was always there. And I had to learn a new way. And that's what the AWOLs were, were about for me, is learning to live a new way of life without, without having my drug. 
I didn't have a clue that food became a drug to me in my life. I kept going around to the diets. I kept being told the same things that, that people are told for diets. And that's fine for somebody who needs a diet. But I just didn't need the diet. I needed more than that. So I'm just really, really grateful. And I also want to share as part of my story, too, that after I was in program um, for about six years, and, I've, and I had back-to-back -back abstinence at the time, that I got into trouble with my program, and I did pick up food again. And I had to get honest about, about that and also honest about my program and the things that I wasn't doing that I needed to do. And a real important thing for me was that quiet time, you know, that relationship with the God and my understanding and other substances that I was putting in my body. You know, I was chewing gum like a maniac. I, I, had, um, I was drinking diet soda to, to fill up, you know, all these things, you know, um, breath mints, sugarless breath mints, and these things just kind of kept me going. But then it, it turned around and it, you know, and it did that damage. You know, it just didn't work anymore because it was easier to be able to get a glass of soda or, you know, pop a mint in my mouth or um, chew a piece of gum than to sit quiet and ask God for help and maybe be uncomfortable and learn something, you know, walk through. And that didn't, that didn't last for me. It just didn't last for me. And when I got honest, um, I got honest when I had binged. Um, there was a lot of dishonesty when I look back now um, for, a, for a period of time over um, food choices, things that I wouldn't really say, you know, were abstinent, you know, that I'd taken my will back over but I didn't want to talk about. And when I got honest with that, um, you know, as I said, it was, it was because it came right down to that line where I had binged and I saw myself going into the freezer and eating things that I just knew clearly. You know, you can't say that you are abstinent and that everything is okay here. And that's what made me stop and take a look. And then there was a lot of other things that I had to back up and, and get honest about, you know, in that hindsight. And, um, you know, my sponsor and other people worked with me through that, and I'm so, so grateful because that fear that came up, you know, and that, that panic when, you know, when I put that food in my mouth was, was unbelievable. And, and I started to have this fear that I was going to be a periodic eater, that this, this thing was just going to happen to me and I was going to find myself out of control. And it wasn't going to matter whether, you know, whether I had gone through another AWOL and had about a year and a half again of, of abstinence or whether I had a week or six months or, or whatever, but just that this thing was going to come and get me, you know, out of thin air. And that was that sense of panic and fear. And I really had to believe then at, at that time my sponsor's words and you know and she said to me I don't really believe that of you she said I, I know I knew you in recovery and I knew what you had in recovery and I don't believe that you know if you don't want that it doesn't have to be that way and I really didn't want that you know I, I wanted the recovery but and I really didn't want the fear and you know God really worked through her in my life and and I could trust her words and slowly but surely you know I started to get back my footing and that sense of, you know, I, I have respect for this disease and, and what food can do, but I don't have to live in that fear of day to day. I don't know what's going to happen or from meal to meal that I can't trust myself. That's what food robbed me of and that's, that's, what, food, that's what food does and it's just, it's really, really amazing. So I'm so grateful and since that time, you know, by the grace of God, I've been abstinent back to back and I love being in a thin body. I'm about 128, 130 pounds. You know, it fluctuates like that. And it's amazing to me. I can wear anything in my closet, anything in my drawers. 
um, I don't have to think twice, and that was a big production for me. I started to not go out and do things and be part of, um, you know, invitations to weddings or anniversaries or birthdays or a dance or whatever because, um, you know, because I didn't have anything to fit. And it was really painful to have to go out and, and face that reality that, that I'd gotten bigger, nothing was fitting, and I had to go out and, to, and, and get something in another size. And I, I did a lot of stuff around that. Um, I cut sizes out, and then I would go into this pretending that I was a size 16 for the day. And if I pretended that, then I could make you believe it, you know, which there's, there's a lot of mental insanity with that, you know. So mentally, I was just not in a well state, you know. That's, that's what was going on in my mind. It, just, it was just really incredible. And then there'd always be that, that moment of, of reality when I'd, I'd catch a glimpse in, in the mirror or, you know, um, walk by um, a glass door and just, just catch that glimpse. And, and I was not expecting to see myself because I had this image of what I looked like in my mind, and it was all mental. But you, you can't be a size 16 when your body's fitting in a 22 and a half. It just it doesn't work that way. You, you can't hide that much. And that's 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 where I was mentally, and um, you know I don't you know I don't come into my home today, thank you God, and I haven't come into my home for a long time this way, where I'd have to run through the kitchen, grab something in the cabinet, you know, open the freezer, and then run to use the bathroom because I'd have to use the bathroom, but I couldn't you know I couldn't go by those places without you know putting something in my mouth, so I'm so grateful, you know, so grateful. I'm I'm not obsessed with food today. And I haven't been, you know, for a long, long time. Thank you, God. I can eat three weighed and measured meals today. Um, sugar and flour, don't call to me. You know, those are not things that, that I crave. There are things around the holidays that, that people are starting to do and, and bring in, and it's just not my food. You know, I don't have to panic over that. I don't want it. It's not mine. It doesn't call to me. Thank you, God. You know, today, um, my daughter and I are home. This is Thanksgiving. I'm cooking a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, we have not been in the best of places. There's, there's been a lot of stuff going on between us and for her. And I'm coming to the realization that I believe my daughter is developing mental illness because of her disease, which is food addiction. And she needs some help with that. She really needs some help. But for me, it can be an abstinent day, you know, and, and I can be that power of example and, and pray for her. And I hope that she wants, you know, that she'll want recovery in her life. You know, I really do pray for her. But for myself, you know, I have what I need. Thank you, God. You know, I'm in the right place, and I'm just so grateful. I'm really grateful to have a God in my life that, that I can take quiet time with. And, you know, when, when life feels like it's, it's too hard that I can turn to and, and ask God for help, and a fellowship to reach out and make phone calls to and, and ask for help and, and say what's going on. And I'm just so grateful for all of that. And, you know, the person today, you know, when I look in the mirror, I, I see someone who takes care of themselves very well, you know, and has the ability to be able to take care of themselves very well. And I'm not coming from that kind of place. I'm coming from a lot of fear and panic. I'm coming from neediness needing to be taken care of. Um, you do it for me. I cannot do it myself. I can't function without you like that kind of, you know, re like hostage. You know, I need a hostage to do it for me. And I'm just not there, you know, just not there. Um, God's taken me through a lot of life situations and experiences, and I've always come through, you know, growing on the other side. 
And I'm really, really grateful because I know that there's no end, and I just know that, you know, God's got better things in store. And as long as I keep not eating, you know, I'll be in the same size that I am, and, um, you know, life will be okay. You know, it will be manageable. And my life was totally, totally unmanageable, and I just could not stop eating when I came here. Thank you. All those who wish, please join me in a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.